It's Talking Twins and more with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. It's Talking Twins and more, a multiple birth podcast with myself, Nix, and joining me for another week of excitement, my wonderful co-host, Naomi Dorland from twinfo.com.au. Hello, Gnomes. How are we going this week? Nikki, I am excellent. I am a bit of a hot mess this morning, but that's all right. I think um, that's parenting for you, isn't it? When are we ever not a hot mess? Let's be realistic. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I've, I've certainly had a couple weeks of it, I've got to say. There's got to be light at the end of that tunnel. Um, <laughs> as long as it's, it's not, you know, the train coming down to to run me over because that's the way I'm feeling at the moment, but that's all right. <laughs> I, re- I read a quote yesterday, Naomi, that's not going to make you feel any better, but I'm going to tell you it anyway, which said um, adulthood is saying next week will be better for the rest of your life. I actually don't I have any words. <laughs> I, look, there's the highs and lows of parenting and this week's guest has definitely experienced some very low times and um, looking forward to being able to share her story. Um, Naomi, do you want to tell us more? Absolutely. So today we're being joined by Amy. Amy is um, an amazing mother of three and she's the ambassador for Red Nose Australia. Now, I do want to let our listeners know that this episode does talk about the loss of a multiple. So if you're in a stage where you aren't quite ready to maybe listen to this story, um, no offence taken, just pop us, you know, hit, hit that stop button and then you can come back and listen at a later date. So without any further ado, Amy Rhodes, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. I'm looking forward to delving into the nitty-gritty stuff that has been my journey to becoming a parent, basically. Yeah, look, and I think for so many people, you know, there are highs and lows and there are a lot of fears along the way in your journey, particularly with twin pregnancy, twin birth raising multiples um and you have experienced undoubtedly one of the most heartbreaking experiences that any of us could potentially think of going through um and thank you first of all for coming on and and wanting to talk about this because you're not alone people go through this sadly and um first of all tell us right back at the beginning um where your twin journey started yeah so hi ladies thanks for having me (laughs) again um have to go all the way back to what was it September 2017 I was catching up with a girlfriend weekly to do soft sand runs along the beach I was living in Sydney at Bondi and I'd get up and I'd brush my teeth before we went and a couple of mornings I was like dry reaching and I was like oh it's a bit funny didn't really think anything of it and then it sort of got more consistent I should probably pregnancy test and lo and behold took a pregnancy test and I was clear as day pregnant and then followed that up with a visit to my GP got my blood test taken and then basically waited until that dating scan um, which is around the six seven week mark Um, at the dating scan which is a few weeks later I went in with a full bladder like they tell you to and I had two full of a bladder so I had to go out and empty half of my bladder. Isn't that the hardest thing ever? Oh my gosh, that happened to me as well. I thought I was being a grade student 
having a really full bladder and it's not ideal. So went and emptied half of my bladder, came back. They still couldn't see everything. Wanted me to go empty my whole bladder and prep me for an internal ultrasound. And I was already like, oh, maybe it's just like false alarms here. And, you know, I was being very realistic about it, but also a bit emotional at the same time. I was like, oh, when you're holding on to something, you've been dry reaching for weeks now. You definitely feel like something's there. It's kind of like, what's going on? Went back in and, yeah, she grabbed my hand and no one was really speaking to me in the room. Um, my husband at the time was in the corner of the room looking as pale as a ghost as she flicked from baby to baby on the ultrasound and no one was talking to me and I was like, is, is everything okay? Because I was thinking, oh, maybe, you know, lost baby. She's like, I just want to let you know now that you're pregnant with twins. And I cried. <laughs> I was like, holy hell, what are we in for here? And let's be honest, my life has never been the same since. Yeah, that's for sure. Hey, wow. She also, I should mention, she did check both their heartbeats at that time. She's like, look, you very early will check the that both of their heartbeats are pumping as they should be, and one was 153 beats per minute and one was 155. So they were there. Wow. We're making it impact, that's for sure. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> you've gone through you the novice Yeah. Yeah, you, you went home that day and you it's that nothing will ever, you know, equate to that moment of hearing, hey, well, A, you're pregnant, but B, you, there's more than one baby in there. Actually, um, just recently listened to a podcast with Chrissy Swan, The Imperfects. Mm -hmm. She referred to a period of her life where she was like just going through the motions and the days were a bit hazy and I was like, that was me. That was me leaving that ultrasound and going, what the fuck mm -hmm. am I in for? Like that is so much to get your head around full stop. Um yeah, sorry, I'll stop cutting up now. <laughs> no, I th no, I think everybody who listens to this podcast in some shape or form, um, even if you've been going like Naomi down an IVF channel uh, pathway or you're like, I was exactly the same as you. Mine was a complete and utter surprise, curveball, new relationship, bang, you've got two. It's a, it's a whirlwind. And I think we can all reflect on that moment being a complete and utter haze. Like I could block out 10 days of my life I can't remember. Um, and I remember my partner yeah. turning around to me and, like, one day I was just like, holy shit, there's twins. And he's like, oh, welcome back. And I'm like, I don't know I don't know where my brain's been for the last however long. But, yeah, it's a haze. It's so much to take on, isn't it? Because I think you automatically go to everything that needs to be done. And, yeah, you don't sit with the moment. You just go to, oh, my God. Oh my god. My 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 head and my mind went ten steps ahead instead of sitting in okay, you're six or seven weeks pregnant, you've got a pregnancy to get through, you've got to find out what twins they are. It just went so far ahead, like, oh my god, two babies, two breastfeeding, two capsules, bigger car. Like that's where my head went. <laughs> it's so relatable. <laughs> good, yeah, good. I think, yeah, we've all been there. Um, so talk us through what happened then after that. Yeah, so basically um, I we went home and chose our obstetrician and stuff and what path we were, go to, we were going to go down and um, had to wait 
a bit, obviously, to see what twins they were, but found out that they were identical twins that weren't sharing the same sac, so MCDA. Have I got that right? Yeah, I think that's the terminology anyway. I'd have to go back through all my stuff that I've my journals. <laughs> um, so they were sharing a placenta but not the same sac. So they had yep. a slight little membrane separating them um, and basically got told it's quite a high-risk pregnancy. So we'll just basically take each day as it comes. But for the moment, get to that safe period, the 12 weeks again, and then we'll know more. Um, I had a breakthrough bleed a week later and I thought I was losing the whole pregnancy. Um Saying that now brings back so much, actually. It's, yeah. Because I, yeah, I just saw blood and I was like, oh, it's done. It's gone. Yeah. Um, and it was at a really busy time of our lives. Like we were just about to go away. We had friends' weddings. We were going overseas. Um, first wedding anniversary, going back to the place we got married, me and my um, then partner, husband husband at the time um so I just was like oh this is a bump in the road I really don't need right now um and it's basically like yeah my life was halted to just make sure everything was okay so we went to the doctor emergency they did a quick scan they saw both heartbeats they said everything's so looks okay to me but just hold on hold on to that 12-week, that safe period, basically. So I took that as, okay, hold on to hope that everything was okay. But I don't know, mum's instincts, I think mm. I felt something wasn't right from that moment on. Mm. I think if anyone has a breakthrough bleed, even though they can be completely normal, you sort of just wait with bated breath till that 12-week mark, don't you? I'm feeling every word of this. I had um, my first twin pregnancy. Um, the same thing happened and I'd had a bleed. Now, we had done IVF for it. Um, it was our fifth round of IVF. So we um, we had seen the two heartbeats. Then I had a bleed. We went back and he was like, it, and he wouldn't talk sort of, make eye contact with me and he wouldn't really talk but he was like just hold on to hope and I was like is there something wrong and he said it's not looking good and I was like what do you mean and he said it's there's something wrong with it is all he said to me and I'm like it that's my baby like yeah um I then went on to lose one of the twins and yeah and then unfortunately four weeks later I lost the other so I, that mother's instinct, I, I agree with you. I, I, I just, I could tell from his reaction as well, but also I was like, something's not right. I just knew something wasn't quite right. Um, and that was actually just before I had the bleed. Um, yeah. So what happened with you next? Well, we were told to go away and live life like nothing was wrong. <laughs> I shouldn't say it like that, but, you know, we had weddings to go through. I had to hide the fact that I was even pregnant. I didn't really want to tell anyone because I was like, what if it's what if it's not viable? Like what if I get to 12 weeks and it's gone? Like you said with your bleed, um, it just puts alarm bells in your head from the get-go, doesn't it? And you mm-hmm. just you become quite reserved. 
So we went to our friend's wedding. We went on a holiday and we went overseas. And looking back now, I probably at the time I was like, oh, I was just, you know, going through the motions, trying to get through each day. But I was a, a very depressed and unhappy soul. Um, but using those words, now that I've done a lot of work on my mental health over the years, over the last couple of years, I've had some shocking dark days. I feel so comfortable in saying that and I feel like it's really important for other people out there that are going through something similar, say you were depressed, say you were low, like go and go and get help for it because sitting in that, like I did for so long, it was not okay. I was, it probably impacted on everything tenfold. But I got through it in saying that. But, yeah, don't be afraid to say, I feel actually really depressed and is there anything I can do or take to help me get through this moment, um, this stage of my life? So, anyway, we got home from being overseas. We had our dating scan and we were due to fly out that afternoon back to Victoria from Sydney to see our families to share with them the news that we were having twins. Did they even know you were pregnant at that stage? No. No, okay, yeah. Um, Our parents did. Okay. So I was just ecstatic to get home, obviously to share it with our family, but more so my sister. You know, the connect. if you have a sister, you know the connection with your sister is very special and I just could not wait to tell her that, oh, my God, remember when we were growing up and we used to play mums and babies and, like, we'd both have a baby? Well, I'm going to have two and you can, like, help me with one all the time. I just, it was just the best news that I wanted to share with her. Obviously, your parents as well, but me and my sister are very close, so I was really excited for that. Anyway, we went, it's going off topic, standard Amy. Um, We went into our dating scan and very similar to what you just said to me then was, um, Naomi, I... We went into the in the waiting room, got scanned. Halfway through it, she went quiet. The sonographer, and she's like, "I'm just I have to go and get my senior doctor to come and have a look at something that just doesn't look like quite right with your twin B's brain." And she's like, "See, look at twin A and look at twin B." And I was like, "Mate, I don't know anything. I'm not a sonographer. They look fine to me. They both had long arms and legs, and they were kicking around very vigorously." I was like, "To me, that looks like two healthy babies." she went out to get her senior doctor her senior doctor was busy so she sent us back out to the waiting room to wait I'm sorry but that period in time felt like the longest time in my life I had no I did not have any ounce of positivity in my mind whatsoever I was like we've lost it it's gone my pregnancy is not viable but at the same time I was like how do my babies look perfectly healthy and fine like they're kicking around like no worries so got taken back into her senior doctor's room and I remember her name to this day because I actually considered calling the girls Mia because I was like oh this poor woman has the hardest job in the world to tell us what she was just about to tell us and she was basically like um you're twin A is completely fine healthy growing as should be but your twin B has a deformative, uh, a deformity. So her last neural tube hasn't closed over, um, which means that her brain and her 
her skull hasn't completely formed and her brain is quite exposed and underformed as well. Um, and she has what the term called anencephaly. And then I was like, I went to fight off like, and I was like, oh, well, what does this mean? Um, does this mean that she has to be monitored clo- closer during my whole pregnancy? Do we go straight into surgery once the babies are born? And she basically looked at me and goes, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Um, your, your baby isn't compatible with life and handed me a box of tissues. And still I was like, what do you mean isn't compatible with life? And it wasn't in the more I speak about this, the more I've learned about the terminology that was spoken. So um, that term is commonly used in car crashes for victims that have sustained injuries that aren't compatible with life and they have no. But I was still in fight or flight. I was like, what do you mean? I just saw a perfectly healthy baby with long arms, long limbs, kicking around, having fun with her sister in my tummy. What do you mean that this baby is not compatible with life? She printed us out some information and basically said, look, go home for the weekend, be kind to one another, schedule an appointment with your obstetrician for next week. Um, but whatever you do, don't Google. Mm. What do you think I did? Well, of course you did. Mm. So next, that whole weekend again was like your write-off days that you said, Nikki, um, I just... I don't even know what was happening around me. We left from there, went straight to the airport, got on a plane to fly home to see our families, and it was just a blur. I kind of feel like I've only woken up from the blur really over the last year or so, to be honest. It's just been like put one foot in front of the other, make your way through the day, you'll get there. Mm. Slow and steady wins the race, but... That first weekend was really hard because emotions were high and um, we had absolutely no idea what we were in for. We were just waiting to get to get the weekend out of the way, see our families and check in with our obstetrician the following Monday. Did you tell your family what was yeah, going on? Straight away. Yeah. Yeah. So this is exactly the same to me. My family didn't even know I was pregnant. Well, they found out when I lost the first one and, yeah, so it was like that was like, the hardest thing to tell my parents, as you would have gone through, that they were going to be grandparents for the first time, but there were two. I had this conversation time. with um, a lady in a shoe store, as I do, um, a local shoe shop recently and I was talking about my girls and she was like, oh, how many have you got? And I said, oh, I've got two but I've got three. I'm a mother to three and I told her my story. And just to see her well up and get emotional like she did as I relayed my journey with Bella and Willow and then Sadie and then life, she said to me, she goes, I don't know how your mother did it. Well, your parents did it basically to watch their daughter go through that, like someone they love so much. And I do think about it all the time, like how hard it must have been for my family and our families to watch us go through what we did. But 
that's what families are for at the same time, right? To be giving support blanket and wrap you up in cotton wool when life just isn't fair. No, oh. it's not. It's and, absolutely and, not. And so the the first few days after that, I mean, one can't even imagine where your brain is at. Complete shock. You've got one healthy baby, but you've been delivered this absolutely crushing news. Um how did you, where did you go forward from that? Because I think we all sit there and go, how do you take that first step? What is that next first step? Yeah, great question. Um, so we also did a NIPS test that day at that 12-week appointment, 12-week scan, dating scan, and um, or whatever it is. So I'm dating scan, the 12-week scan. And... Um, I was just sort of holding on to hope that everything was okay with twin A, mm. which is was I now know that that's Bella. Because um, I was like, once I hear that everything's okay with her, maybe we can learn more about this situation mm. and make a plan to go for, yeah. forward. Yeah. Um, after t- well, on the Monday when we got back from visiting our families, which was just what we needed at the time, we um. Uh, had my appointment with my obstetrician and he basically said, look, I'm more than happy to take care of you. I can be your obstetrician, but with your situation, you're better off going through the public system because they have more experience with this. You'll have a whole team to take care of you. You'll get scanned weekly. You won't be paying like extra for the scans and stuff. um, And you'll be in the best hands basically. He's like, I'm happy to do it. It's up to you, but you're, you're better off probably to go through the maternal fetal medicine clinic at the Royal Hospital Hospital for Women in Sydney. So that's what we did. So we linked in with them. And by the time I got my first appointment there, I was nearly about 16 weeks. Um, time was flying basically, um, but not flying at the same time. Like we had... I hadn't really announced what we were going through. We told close friends and family but not work colleagues or anything like that. We didn't really know how to talk about this topic and I was I'm so open. So not talking about this was eating me alive. Mm. And I was like, one, why hasn't anyone spoken about this if they've been through it before? Um, this is something that needs to be normalised because things go wrong, mm-hmm. not just in pregnancy but in life every single day. Mm-hmm. And people deal with heavy stuff, heavy shit, let me say that, every day. So I was like, I just need to connect with someone that's done it before and, t- and can tell me you can do it and you can get through it and it sucks and it's hard and it's emotional but it's just another speed bump on this little journey that is your life, basically. So that's what the Maternal Fetal Medicine Clinic in Sydney at the Royal, um, Royal Women's Hospital did. They normalised the whole freaking thing, basically, yeah. and just dumbed it down, told me that, look, you could have experienced complications along the way but people have done this before and delivered these babies at term. We were obviously given scenarios of trying to stunt Willow Twin B's growth, um, 
so I wouldn't have to carry her fully grown to term and such. There was a million options that were put on the table. Um, but they were identical. So whatever you did to one could then in turn affect the other. And I was just kind of like, we've been given this for a reason. Like this is our journey that's been written for us. This is the way it is. Like this is the path we've been chosen. Like let's learn all about it and we'll get through it. We've got, we're in the best hands, we've got the best team. Basically I just said to them, I was like, just connect me with one other parent that's been through it before. And then we, I shared it um, on my social media and said it my partner at the time and it made everything so much easier because I got to connect. Everything in life is about connection and to be able to compare journeys and stories to others that have been there before and, like, help guide me along the way, um, guide us along the way. It was very, it just made it seem a little bit less hard, I guess you could say. That's a really good point, connecting and building a community, and you hear that so often, um, and, and you're reflecting on that is just so key to be able to get through something like that. Well, I, I didn't know this at the time because I sort of hadn't started my mental health journey at the time. I was sort of just treading water, like what, dealing with everything that come along my way and it wasn't until, um, was it after, after the girl's first, like, birthday when we'd moved back to Victoria, life was getting a little bit too hard and I just couldn't see clarity in my days. I couldn't string together my days right and... One of the first things my psychologist actually said to me was like, community, what do you do in the community you're in? And I was like, nothing. Like I lived a sheltered life. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to get triggered by my external environments. I didn't want to lose it basically, fall apart. So I didn't really want to go anywhere. I wanted to go places with my family because they're my safety blanket. Um but other than that, I was just, you know, going through the day-to-day motions and stuff like that. So it wasn't until you say that thing about community that I was like, yeah, I needed a freaking community and a support crew to get through what I was about to go through that had done it before. And that's what I think kept me quite sane in those early days um, after the initial shock of it. But in saying that, like, I think a big part of it was the way I was brought up as a kid. Like I've got very resilient parents and I've got a mum that has instilled positive affirmations in me from the day that she basically could. So it was all about positive attitude, positive mind, we'll get through this. But having that added benefit of a community that had been through it before was such a huge bonus and help and that is why I continue to be so passionate about talking about this topic and I will be forever because life is hard but you're harder and I think it's something that needs to be reminded in everyone, especially over the last two years. Hasn't life just took a massive turn? <laughs> yeah, didn't it indeed. Um, going back to the rest of your pregnancy, yeah. Um, I mean, bittersweet doesn't even 
touch the sides of, of something to say. Did you find yourself focusing in on Bella um, to get you through or how did you how did you go about getting through those scans? I mean, obviously you were then weekly scanned, such a high-risk pregnancy. How did you, men, you know, try and cope with the day-to-day? That's right, mentally. To me, to be honest with you, it didn't really feel real. And I don't think it felt real until the moment they were born because every scan I went into, I'm like, oh, there's two healthy babies and they're kicking around. They've both got long arms and they've both got long legs. And I'm like, cool, I'm having twins. So I think I relished in the fact that, one, I was able to fall pregnant. You know, you've got to capitalise on those big little wins. One of my favourite sayings by Phoebe Burgess. She used, she refers to um, her big little wins in her life with her kids all the time. And I was like, I'm pregnant naturally. I'm, I've got an unfortunate diagnosis from one of my twins, but that's a bump. And I just kept holding on to, I kind of held on to hope, I guess you could say that I'm like, maybe we'll get to the birth and they'll just have it all wrong. I was going to say, did you ever just think that? Yes, all the time. I was like, oh, they've misdiagnosed me. And I think I thought that way until it was about the 25-week mark and stuff started to get a bit harder. Um, I got, they thought I had um, stage 2 twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome where one baby starts taking more nutrients than the other. Yeah. And it was Willow that they thought was taking more nutrients than Bella. So I went into complete shit. Like I rang my mum after my diagnosis that day. It's my partner at the time was at work. And I was like, I know this sounds really selfish, but I just want to be able to take one fucking baby home. I've been through 25 weeks of absolute hell. To hear that today has just thrown me. So I went from uh fortnightly scans to scans every, uh, three times a week mm. at that point and then it ended up being diagnosed as a uh amniotic fluid imbalance so willow's um neural neural pathway connections weren't there in her brain to like teach her to regulate her amniotic fluid levels in her sac I learned so much about twins and pregnancy and everything with these girls. I'm like, okay, so do you know the way that the babies regulate their amniotic fluid levels is when they pee out their wee, they swallow it back in and that's like it's like a cycle. So Willow couldn't do that. So when she'd get full, she'd get full. She'd get an Olympic-sized swimming pool. They described it to me. That's what she was swimming around in. Poor Bella was like squished up in the corner, had no room. Um, while she was having the time of her life. So that's what it ended up being, which was fine from a develop, like developmental point of view for Bella, but it just meant that I got big really quick and it was very painful. Um, I was told not to walk down the street. We lived in Coogee at the time and they're like, yeah, maybe just try to avoid going down the street because that pressure on your cervix could just make you go into preterm labour with the um, waters breaking I was like, cool, I don't want to leave my house already as it is. Now I really don't want to leave my house. So I was basically a couch-bound, miserable human being from 25 weeks till they were taken at 34. Yeah. 
Mm. I um I was very similar um when I lost the first baby and he said to me, go home and have a glass of red wine. And I said, I can't drink. Like I'm pregnant with twins. And he's like, I think it's sometimes for your mental health. And I was like, what do you mean? And I was really, it was really confusing for me. Um, And I kept saying, but are you sure? Are you sure that, it's gone. Like, you know, is there the other baby? And he's like, look, it's not looking good for that one. And I was like, oh, you're wrong. You've got to be wrong. And he got a little bit mad at me because he was, um, he thought he was God, shall we say, um, in the IVF world. And um, I, I just, I was so lost. I was so lost. I just didn't know where to turn. It, it's just, yeah, everything that you're saying is just, yeah, it's it's just brings it all back to me. And even, you know, I went and paid to have an, a, a scan at a private place to check because I didn't believe him, you know, that denial. Um, I was like, no, everything's fine, but, yeah, it wasn't. And isn't it so nice to share these stories with each other just to normalise for anyone else up there going through something similar that if you've had this thought or feeling go through your mind, like, it's okay. It's, it's perfectly normal reaction to have when you've been given this shit, basically, because that's what it is. It's just shit. And I actually just, um, someone that I'm a mutual friend with put up that she's suffered a recent miscarriage at 12 weeks and I commented on her post last night and I said I'm just so sorry and I know that nothing I can say can take away your pain just know that I'm here for you because one of my biggest pet peeves I know that people try and help but when they try and fix the situation for you and like refer to something that's happened to them and it's like I just want you to shut the fuck up Mm -hmm. and be there like just hold me and hug me and just say, I'm so sorry. Um, and, you know, that that's yeah. a really helpful thing for other people to know because so often oh. when you find yourself in a situation like that, be it um, your situation, Naomi's situation or a loss of a child at any stage or a loss of a family member, we do all feel so awkward and, and you your first thing that your gut is, I don't know what to say. And it's okay not to know what to say because you don't actually have to say anything because it can, you know, there, there are no words. It is just a shit situation and nobody can change it. Best piece of advice, less is more. Mm, that's good. Mm. Don't get stuck in the, oh, yeah, that happened to my cousin's sister twice. Oh. Rich. Shut the fuck up. Gosh, yes. I do not care who it happened to right now. Although, like, obviously I've grown from there and I'm like, oh, because in the beginning, oh, I'm so sorry. But I'm like, this is happening to me right now and I don't want you to try and fix my situation by telling me or referring me to something else. Mm. Yeah. Sit with me. Two seconds. Just let me cry. And just be. Yeah. That's such great advice. Well, I'm currently, I don't know when this book's ever going to get finished, but I've been journaling. So I journaled my entire pregnancy whenever I couldn't sleep in the middle of the night I'd get out my journal and I'd journal and I have 
all my notes and stuff saved, saved from back in the day. Then my first early days I journaled a little bit, but then life got hard and I was like, how do you breastfeed a baby? How do you pump? How do you get milk? Like, So I was like journaling stopped for a bit there. And then it started up a bit and it's kind of had its waves. But last year I was like, I really want to write a book. And I said to my manager, I was like, can we write a book? She said, yeah, we can write a book. Um, so it's in the process, but it's basically I want it to be a book that you can pick it up and it doesn't have a start and an end and it's just about the journey of parenting, becoming a parent, losing a child, grief, what to say to someone in grief, just like a survival guide, like how how I got to where I am today and how it could help someone else in a similar situation. Yeah. I just recently as well, this is going off course a bit, finished. Um, I don't know. Have you heard of Elodie Pullen, Heartstrong? If you haven't, you need to read it. It's one of the most amazing books I've ever read because it resonates with me on another level and it will resonate with anyone that has experienced grief very personally in their life on another level. Everything that she said and refers to about grief and about you know, paving a way out of it and how to acknowledge but not to forget and how to deal with people trying to make you feel better when really they're not anything they're saying is making you feel so much worse. But yeah, she's reignited my um my passion to get this book on the road. It's already been a year that I said since I've read it and it's still in synopsis mode. Oh. <laughs> Well, I actually look forward to reading yeah, that, I think. Um, so, yeah, a bit of pressure from us over here to get yeah, that I finished. Would, and get I would like out. to read it. So I, I, a quote that I, I I shared on one of my stories um, on my Instagram not long after I had the girls was tell the story of the mountain you climbed. It could be someone's survival guide. Yeah. And it has stuck with me forever because I was like I feel I felt like from the moment we shared our journey um with the rest of the world I've, I've been trying to piece together my little survival guide mm-hmm. from that very moment so I'm like if I can have that all in a book for someone that's experienced loss child loss any kind of loss partner loss mental health struggles like it's going to cover such a broad range of things feel like my job's done yeah I feel like I have paid I was like Willow you were here for a reason and it was to yeah show your Willow Willow rays across the world as I like to refer to her as oh that's so beautiful you said they were born at 34 weeks the girls was um did you go into labor or was that decision made for you for a medical point of view so referring to my um what I said before about the uh, amniotic fluid balance. So I got to about, I think I was nearly 29 weeks and I was very full and I was big and I was very uncomfortable. I couldn't feel the girls very much because my stomach was so tight that I was an anxious mess, basically. I was like, oh, well, I can't feel both my babies. So maybe they've, they've both passed away in utero. So I was in at the hospital quite a lot. And they were like, look, 
we really want to do this procedure, which is an amniotic fluid drainage needle straight in the gut and drains off the excess fluid from baby twin B. I'm like, oh, that's full on. Mm. So I'm popping a balloon with a pin. Um, but I was like, yep, if that's going to prolong, they're like, look, there is side effects. You could go into preterm labor naturally, but we will give you medication to stop that from happening. We will boost you with some steroids just so the girl's lungs are properly developed in case you do go into labor and we can't stop it. So that in itself was so much more to take on because they take you obviously on the tour of the NICU ward and they show you the three levels and they show you what babies born around this gestation are. And I was like, hell, if I think this is hard now, imagine how much harder that's going to be with a baby in here. So I was like, okay, I've got to try and make it further. So this is going to try and help me make it that bit further and make me be a little bit more comfortable at the same time. So did that. Um, body didn't go into preterm labour, which was great. It was an interesting process. They got 2.1 litres of excess fluid drained off twin B. Yeah, so I lost a magic two kilos in that procedure. But the initial relief I felt afterwards, I could feel my babies. I had a malleable um, tummy. It was just so reassuring. I could go to sleep at night going, oh, they're kicking away. I wasn't waking up in the middle of the night, not being able to feel my babies, panicking, feeling like I needed to go into hospital. So it did its job basically um, until it didn't. So I filled up pretty quickly again. Um, and then at 32 weeks they did another drainage and this time they got 2.6 litres of excess fluid drained off my tummy. So that's how quickly yeah, it wow. back up. But obviously it was going to. She didn't have the connections there to regulate her fluid levels. She was getting the nutrients and she was just keeping it to herself. So it's really nice, like, as I talk about this stuff, to realise that she was never alone while she was here. She always had her sister. And it's very special to think that she was, yeah, she'd never experienced loneliness. Kind of, I'm going to cry. Um, so that's special, isn't it, in a way? Oh, so special. And she had that support and she wasn't alone in many ways because she had you as well. But, yeah, <laughs> having that bond and that in utero bond. And and it was a, a two-way system because her continuing to grow in her way um, helped Bella get to a point where she was able to survive as well. Yeah, so basically after the second drainage, <sighs> Willow was a devil. So she actually was kicking the needle from the inside of the um, belly and it was very – because obviously you just get given local anaesthetic mm-hmm. and it was just so uncomfortable and I don't like needles and I think I get that phobia from my mother and I was all I could feel was this like sensation. So apparently, and then my partner at the time was like, "Oh, it looks like a fishing rod, like a, like a fish is hooked on a fishing line." And I was like, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> I just this is so. It was just a lot. Like everything was getting a lot. It was getting very heavy. And after that one, I basically said to my um, doc, "I was like, what's the goal here?" 
And he goes, obviously, we want you to make it as far along as you can because that means less time in hospital for twin A. And I was like, I just need a goal. I need an end date because I can't do it mentally, physically or emotionally anymore. I was spent. So he said, if you make it to 34 weeks, I'll book you in and we'll take them then for a C-section. I said, well, give me the papers mm-hmm. and we'll do the paperwork now. So I'm not taking that <laughs> lightly. I want it booked in on that day. So we booked in after the second amniotic fluid drainage. Yeah, fair enough. Um, talk us through those moments um, after delivery. How did that go down, if you can? Yep. So booked in, had them at 34 weeks. It was early in the morning. We were the first cab off the ranks. Um hospital was so supportive we'd done all the tours we're as we were as prepared as one could be I guess you could say for what was to come everyone was so reassuring they were like what do you need um is there anything else we can get you so you're comfortable and all I kept saying was like I just don't want to see the epidural needle but just make sure (laughs) that's and they're like okay is there anything else and I was like I just don't want to see the needle I'm fine and my partner at the time was like, hey, like, is there anything else that, and I was like, no. And I know one request I wanted um, photos taken. So when Bella asked the question one day, because it's going to happen, although she knows she's got a twin identical sister, there's photos up of her everywhere in the house. Um, but, yeah, just to have those memories for her to look back, I just didn't want her to feel lost when she got older. You know, identical things are a special, twins are a special thing. Um, I wanted her to have memories. I wanted little videos. I wanted photos of them together after they were born, if it was possible. So all those, um, yeah, wishes were answered. And this- they given you any indication how long? It's really hard because they say days, week, um, minutes, hours, days they could last for. Being early, the 34-week gestation, they didn't think it'd be long. Um, and obviously via C-section, you know, that she wasn't going to pass away during birth. She didn't have that pressure um, coming down, but like as she would have a natural birth. Um, so, yeah, they didn't really know. They just gave us a, you know, just waiting game basically. So we did all of the above after she was born, got photos with the girls, got photos as a family. Then we went back to our room and I handed Willow to my partner at the time, Gary, husband at the time, and because I was like, oh, I've been hogging her. You've got no photos of her. I was like, in my mind, I was like, you've got to have your time. It was kind of like she Looking back, it was kind of like well, she, she was a bit of a ticking time bomb. We didn't know how long she was going to be here for. And then um, he said, do you want to invite your mum in? And I said, well, I can't just invite my mum in. Both of our families were up there. So we invited both of our parents in and they took on turns. My parents came straight to me um, and then they swapped and vice versa. So Gary took his parents down to meet Willow in the um, Bella in the NICU and I had Willow up in the room with me and then when they both came together and they were all in the room together my dad was actually holding her and I noticed that her jaw, jaw dropped and I just said dad 
do you mind if I have it back? And he goes, yeah, no worries. And I called the nurse in and she passed when they were in the room. It's like she knew we had our support system. So she's like, mum and dad are good now. I can go. Wow. Wow. What a moment. It's like she knew. Yeah. It's like she knew. Yeah. Gosh. And look, she could have passed away at any other moment and I might not have noticed, but I can I I can assure you now that I I knew the moment exactly. Yeah. I could tell she had because she had uh she had grip in her hand. Her eyes were open, but obviously the connections weren't there, so she couldn't really see. Um, she had a little beanie on her head and, yeah, she had a dripping nose, so she had quite a runny nose. And, yeah, just the, her jaw dropped and I was like, I think she's gone. She's like, you've got it now, Mum and Dad. You'll be good. Wow. She's a little, little angel for you. How lucky. How lucky yeah. are we to have a watching over us every day? How lucky is Bella? She's yeah, yeah, twin sister guiding her for the rest of her life. How long was it after that moment before you were able to then hold Bella? Not so. I'd already held her in birth, so we got yeah. um after the birth, I got it put on my chest, and then we were wheeled up to a suite where we got photos of them together. So, but from the moment, yeah, I didn't see Bella until the next morning. Yeah, so that really hard. I was going to say, I can imagine that moment of um, being away from Bella and having to say goodbye to Willow. I had I had Willow. We had Willow. And I was like, that was comforting because I just held her and we were just like, we had a cuddle cot. So we were able to sleep with her all night. And she was allowed to stay with us for as long as we want, as little we want. But, you know, I got... A nurse come in every two hours on the hour to help me hand express to get my milk to come in and I had no fucking idea what I was doing mm-hmm. and I was like I don't know what to do can you hand express me and I was like I just want my daughter and all I wanted to do was just put Bella on and just let her yeah. do it yeah is it so everything got I can just imagine hard. that would have been the hardest one of the hardest moments is to have that not being able to comfort yourself with Bella looking back now it was yeah it was fucking hard but it was my norm I didn't have anything to compare it to this was the first time I'd done it I was like well this is just what becoming a parent is Mm. it's not but it was good in a sense because I didn't have something to compare it to what I'd done previously so but yeah god it brings back a lot of emotions talking about it now (laughs) And you're incredible. Can I just say you are incredibly strong? <laughs> it's getting me now. <laughs> um, oh, if I see someone else cry, I just cry straight away. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm oh. the same. I'm the same. Um, your strength to be able to talk about it is amazing. And I know, I know Willow has given you that strength. Here am I, a professional journalist, can't talk right now. <laughs> um, I love it. But that's the, power, that's, so that's, that's the power of your story and to be able to share that and support, as you said, other people going through it that can't speak right now, that's incredible. I'm oh, so you got sorry. me. <laughs> no, don't say sorry. That's what I'm saying. It's um, You've got an incredible 
which which you've acknowledged your ability that Willow's given you to help people and so much admiration for being able to have the strength to do that. Nikki. So well done. I'm so sorry. No, don't say sorry. Um, the- well, like I said before, I referred to my parents. Like I've been brought up in a pick yourself up, dust yourself off and move on. Like no matter how hard life gets, you've got to get harder. Mm. My mum lost her mum and her sister within six months of one another when she was 12 years old. Mm. Like if you met her today, you would not think that in the slightest. Shit things happen. Mm. And I just thought I was like, I've got to talk about this or I'm not going to get through it. Mm. How do people bottle this stuff up inside? You get sick. That's how you get cancer. Yeah. I'm sorry. And then like. And that's the truth. Like, yeah, you being able to break down these barriers is going to help so many people. It helps yourself. Um, it helps your yep. grieving process. But it also going ahead and writing your book, doing these podcasts, talking, being the ambassador that you are, you are allowing people to acknowledge that they need to talk about it and they need to not bottle it up because, as you said, you know, that's how we deal with grief. It's shit. It's the hardest thing we ever have to deal with but the only way to deal with it is by getting listening and and getting support from other people that have been through the same thing so you know thank you for sharing your story i'm aware that we're running out of time which is a really bad point um, to do that but i feel like there's so much more of your journey past that point we could that, talk that i would that we, we would love to talk today yeah that we would love to explore how you know there's a second part to this story amy if you're happy to join us again of of then how you 100%. got through those critical stages after you know taking bella home through to how you've gone through your um grieving process to get to where you are and being able to sit here and talk about this today so we would love to have you back if that would be definitely great yeah for, for sure and um, definitely and be able to there's, there's too much to cover. I know, and we're going we're gonna to get cut off really, really shortly. But, um, yeah, look, thank you so much for sharing what you have today. Honestly, sorry, Naomi, I'm mm-hmm. just cannibalising this. Say something. <laughs> um, Amy, I know that you're, you share your story a lot on social media. Where, where can people follow you? Yes, yes. So follow me along, follow my life. It's ups and downs and it's bumps in between um at amy rowan so that's a-m-i-e-r-o-h-a-n underscore just on my instagram i share my day-to-day life with my girls and i constantly acknowledge journeys of child loss willow and mental health struggles along the way but also life in between it's chaotic but it's fun <laughs> amy um, i also just want to say that uh, we do have a i'm just talking about the community before um, I have started a community for parents who have lost a twin or a triplet or one or all. Um, Tell me so about it. I'll write it down. Parents of Missing Multiples Australia. Amazing. Uh, so if anyone feels that they need, um, it, it finds themselves in that situation, we'd love to have you join us at Parents of Missing Multiples Australia. It's a Facebook group. Amazing. Uh, but, Amy, I cannot thank you enough for uh, sharing your story with us. Um and yeah, I, I definitely agree with Nikki and uh, that there is a part two in this because what you have been through is everyone's biggest fear and to know how you have dealt with it would be. So thank you so much.
Don't mention it. Can't wait to come back and chat more. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au.